I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know what sucks, Sine? What's that? War. War. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. Has there been a a funkier anti-war song ever? Probably never. (laughs) Has there ever been any other anti-war song? Or have we just nailed it the first try and then we're all like... <laughs> there are plenty of anti-war songs out there. Name me another one. K-San. Yeah. Well, only 19. Yeah. you done... Yeah, you done well. Two solid examples there. No more war. What? How's that one go? No more war, thanks. Who was that written by? Me. <laughs> Hello and welcome to I Only Like You. It is a movie review podcast, so if you're looking for a movie review, you've come to the right place. My name's Lonnie. I'm here with my girlfriend, Sine. Hello. You like movies? Yep. You don't mind Christopher Nolan? Mm. Good director. Mm-hmm. And here he is with Dunkirk. A film about Dunkirk. The evacuation thereof. During World War Two, it is. I don't know why you're laughing. It is. I'm just laughing at the way that you're saying that. You're kind of building up the suspense for everybody. Just trying to make things different for the listener. Yeah. Singular. <laughs> Singular listener. Now, this is a very popular film and it's going to get lots of attention because it's Christopher Nolan. He's mm-hmm. like the director, basically, of the 21st century so far. Mm. Of Batman and Inception and Interstellar fame. All of which I loved. You love Interstellar? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I was responding to the Batman Inception bit. Memento is really good too. I get Interstellar and Gravity confused. Yeah, pretty similar. They're just, Mm. yeah. Once in space, for example. (laughs) Memento? Yeah. You don't name like the most important one. I just said that. The Prestige as well. Which I picked. I bloody picked, (laughs) didn't I? Tell the listeners. You picked it. I picked Memento. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Because I saw it after everybody. That doesn't mm. mean I knew. I didn't know about it because I what live did, under a rock, you pick apparently. Again? I picked the ending and I knew it was him with the flash thing, remember? And you're like, most people don't pick that up and then I picked which, it up. Which flash thing are you talking about? When he's in the chair. He's an old guy in the chair or something and it flashes back to when he's younger or something in the black and white bit. How are you talking about? Yes, but... you do. You know this bit. And who's, you who, say... who's the guy? <laughs> Guy in Memento. Oh, Memento! You just said Prestige. I thought you were talking about Prestige. I'm never talking about Prestige. I said Wait, Memento. I just mentioned Prestige, and you're like, I picked it. And I was like, No, I, I was don't remember you picking the Memento. Okay, great. I don't like the Prestige because they kill the birds. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about Dunkirk? Yes. I just wanted to give the listeners some context for <laughs> okay. Christopher Nolan films. <laughs> Check. So it's a war film, and there have been lots of those over the years. A very popular subject. Just last year we had Hacksaw Ridge, which is, you know, very good in lots of ways. Mm. Very popular. 
Dunkirk is very different to other war films I've seen. It's not on the front lines or anything, Dunkirk. I think that's the main difference. Yeah, so it's an evacuation. It's not yeah. a big battle. No. You don't see any enemy soldiers until the very, very end, no, so, which yeah. is interesting. And it's it's just literally each character wants to get out of there mm. or survive. You know, there's there's no huge inner and outer motivation. We barely know anything about the characters. It's another example of, for this film, it didn't matter about, you know, their backstory, where they're from, what their hidden secret is. They were just some boys caught up in a bad battle and had to get out of there. I think that's a, the perfect example of you're only revealing information about your characters that is essential to the plot. It didn't matter that we didn't know much about them because all we needed to know was that they're here and they're trying to get out. Yeah. Do you know what and I mean? They're stuck in. I think since I'm talk, it's uh, like an arena film or a or a chase film. Not this film in particular, but this style of film mm-hmm. where you don't have to know everything about each character and have those interpersonal conflicts because they've got such a big conflict they're up against mm-hmm. that you know, the next step is the battle. You know? mm-hmm. That's what they're up against. So I like that about it. Very simple. You're right. You didn't need to know anything more about the characters. That so was fine. Mm. It's funny. When um, La La Land came out and everyone's complaining like, Oh, all you know is that she wants to be an actor and he wants to he likes play jazz. jazz. Yeah. And now Dunkirk has come out and was like, wow, this is such a good film. Don't need to know anything about the characters. Well, yeah, <laughs> you need to know exactly enough so the film works. Exactly. And for La La Land, you need to know that. Mm-hmm. Of course it worked. No one's complaining we don't know where Tommy's from or what music he likes or what his mum's name is, are we? Sorry, rant over about that. Still annoys me about La La Land. You'll be a La La Land advocate to the day you die, though. Is that a threat? Well, kind of, actually, now. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, we need to have a serious discussion. No, it's like, yeah, I'm going to die soon. So. What did you think of the film, Sine? Um, I have mixed thoughts on it, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah? I don't know that I liked it as much as everyone's hyping it up to be. Yeah. Um, I didn't mind it. It was fine. I was certainly on board for all the emotional stuff and I was feeling it as the characters and I got scared when we were supposed to get scared and all that kind of thing. But mm. um, I think my main issue with it is that I think it's trying to be a bit too clever. Yeah. And I think maybe Nolan's trying a bit too hard to make it cool that with the intersecting storylines and different time periods and the soundtrack and all that that we'll get into that I worry that, it might actually not be a great film, but we're all really impressed with it, so we think it's great. Or maybe there's a sense that because it's a bit complicated and we don't quite understand it, it must be great then. It must just be this great thing of art that we just don't understand. I know you disagree with me. I can hear the little buttons in your brain going... Apparently you're a robot. What? <laughs> what are we talking about? Like thinking... Like cogs turning, but for some reason I said buttons. <laughs> I think you're a little robot alien, uh, man. I don't disagree with you. I'm, I'm trying to work out what you mean. Everyone thinks they like it, but they don't actually like it. Is that what you're trying to say? I think people think they should like it. Right. Because it's Nolan and he's known for doing great films and it's a complicated sort of structurally complicated film. And I think they think that they are supposed to like it and mm. it's supposed to be good rather than sitting down and going, but this doesn't make sense. I, I totally agree. 
Unfortunately, with Christopher Nolan, he's become so popular that the opposite happens as well. I know. People hate it just because it's him. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to know what you really think sometimes, isn't it? Mm. So, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to gauge it independently of other people. It is, yeah. It's hard to get your own opinion out there when you have to deal with everybody else and yeah, and deal with him as a as a person who's already mailed other films which have been popular exactly. and also criticised. and Yeah. yeah. I, I really liked the three different storylines that we're following and I liked that they had different times um, because you said to me it's like, well, a soldier, it would take a week for them to get home. That's what Christopher Nolan you know. said. He's talking mm-hmm. about the experience of people involved with Dunkirk mm-hmm. was different. Yeah. And Tom Hardy's journey lasted an hour. Yeah. Um, and I don't have an issue with that at all. I think that is clever. I think it's different. We haven't seen that kind of thing before. It's great. I think I had the... I get I got really confused in the film watching and I think that's my biggest problem because they intersect a lot um, and I don't think it's an issue having intersecting stories at all but I think it might be an issue when they happen so closely together in the same sort of time period of knowing where you are in each storyline in relation to the others. Does that make sense? So we'd have a 20-minute sequence of Tom Hardy play out and then we'd jump to someone else and you're like, oh, hang on, that's before that. And then you jump to someone else and be like, oh, okay, they're after that thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just it was a bit too much work to watch. Mm-hmm. I got really confused about where we were in each storyline. And the other issue I have with the storylines is that, to me, you got really involved with one and you're on the you know edge of your seat following one character and then they cut it off just as you're, like, getting into it. And switch to another story. So it's almost like you have to change gears and be like, right, we're focusing on that person now. And then they drop that and you're like, right, we're over here. And it just didn't work for me. It felt really mm-hmm. confusing. I got really um, – I felt sort of uneasy about and on edge about like I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what time we were in. Half of it happened then. Half of it hadn't happened yet for this character. And, yeah, I just got – I. I wasn't as on board with the storylines as I could have been if they were maybe edited a bit differently or structured a bit differently. Um, I don't know the answer for how to do that in a film like this when there are three different lengths of time, how to show that in another way. I don't know. But this way was definitely, I didn't enjoy it. Could have been three different parts. Like Moonlight? Yeah, well, we just see all Tom Hardy's bits. We all see all the bits on the sea. We see all the bits on the land. Yeah. Playing one after another rather than mm. happening at the same time. Mm. That's the problem you get interesting storylines though, isn't it? It's always the case, I think, if you're going to play, if they're going to actually intersect like that, if you're going to see a bit of one, a bit of one, a bit of the next one and then but carry on. But it's not an issue in like in ensemble films, like say Love Actually or those kinds of films because they're not occurring in the same space. I think that's that's the difference. For this, for Dunkirk to work with the storylines, you had to see a bit of one, go back, that took place halfway through the first one, go back, that's after the first one. Mm. That, I think that's where I had the issue, that you'd see the same shot from different perspectives. And I liked, on one hand I like that, but I don't think I liked the way it was done because I was like, oh, I thought that had already happened, but it hasn't happened yet. It was. I was just really confused. Maybe we needed, well, maybe I needed a bit more help watching that in the form of like timestamps or... Um, you know, that could be really helpful, like a clock counting down or something like that could have maybe helped me a little bit more mm-hmm. knowing exactly where each storyline was supposed to follow. 
because the way that it is, I feel like I need to read about, like as soon as I walked out, I'm like, I need to read about that to understand what I just saw. Mm. And I remember saying this to you last night or the night before that I don't think I should have to research a film after seeing it to understand it. I think you should be able to research a film after watching it to get more information and you should be able to re-watch a film and get more information and get a new sort of perspective and understanding of the film. But I don't think that a film shouldn't be able to stand alone in itself and you should be able to watch a film from start to finish and have a complete understanding of what you just watched. And that's my biggest complaint is that I was left very confused, very um, with all this information in my head that was really disorganised and I had to do further research to figure out what that was. Yeah, I think that's that's why. You seem to like it a lot more than I did. Necessarily, I, I agree with everything you just said. Mm. I think you said before that it, with Love Actually, it's not a problem. I think it could have been a problem in Love Actually if we'd got to almost the end of a scene and then cut away from it. Is that what you think would happen here in in this film? Yeah, kind of. We just got to a big emotional point and then we go back somewhere else. Well, that's one issue I had. I think it's more like you're watching Love Actually and then halfway through Kira Knightley's story. We cut back to another story, but that thing hadn't happened yet with Kira Knightley. But we don't have any information that that hasn't happened yet until that person in, like meets Kira Knightley, and then you're like, right, that event hasn't happened yet. Like Arrested Development season four. Yes, it is like Arrested Development season four. But in Arrested Development season four, you've got the whole series to work it out. Correct. You haven't got an hour and forty minutes like we did here. Yep, and yeah. I think that's why people had a lot of an issue with Arrested Development season four is because. Certain jokes that come up in the first two episodes, they don't get a payoff until the end mm. of the season. And that's an interesting series that you can watch again and get more information out of. But I, I did not need to read about it after watching it to understand it. I think it's the best series of rest development. Yeah. It's clever, right? Mm. And it's kind of like the slap in a way where you get to see different perspectives of the same event. And I love that kind of device in storytelling, but I'm not sure that it was the right one for Dunkirk. Um, it was just... Very confusing. Another issue I had with the film was that a lot of the casting of the young boys in particular, they all look very similar. Mm. And Harry Styles is in it and he was fine. He was as good as any of the other ones. I didn't have an issue with him. But they all look really similar. And unless you know that, right, that's Harry Styles and that's that person and that's that person, you don't really know which boy's which, and I kept having to remind myself, right, he's the guy who was putting on the dead guy's shoes and he was the guy at the beginning in the town. And I think that added to my confusion as well about who was who and what was going on and where we were and what we were trying to achieve in this scene. Yeah, just make one of them blonde or red hair or something. Yeah. It would be, so, be so easy to do that. Yeah, or I don't know. Yeah, it was just it was if I had an issue with it and I knew who a lot of those actors were, and then I was recognising them because of their face, that person's face rather than their character, then I can guarantee the older people in the cinema that we saw it with would have had no clue who was who. I really liked that um, Nolan chose not to show the other side of the war. Mm-hmm. The enemy, you mean? Yeah. When we reviewed Hacksaw Ridge, I think we might have mentioned how weird it would be to be a Japanese actor playing the enemy getting shot and that kind of thing. Um, I actually really liked that we didn't see – it was just such a simple thing to do. Like 
Tom Hardy's character's in the plane. He shoots another plane down. In a lot of movies, we would have cut to that person going, ah, falling down into the water. And in a lot of older films, you see that kind of sort of pantomime evil characters getting down. And I don't really think it adds anything. If anything, I, li- I like not seeing it because it put me more in the character's perspective because they wouldn't see their faces going into the water. They would. Yeah. So it's almost like a video game, you know. To a regular person who's that Dunkirk on the beach mm. and all of a sudden a bomb appears, of course you're not being able to see anything else. Yeah, yeah. Or people start shooting at you. You're kind of pretty close with their face. Mm. Definitely worked. I think the film was pretty good and well written in the sense they didn't have, you know, unnecessary dialogue and stuff. It was very sparse. I liked it about that. One thing that really I didn't like in the dialogue was when the, the boy who, who fell and, and died on the boat, the whole thing about, oh, it'd be good if I get my name in the paper one day. It's like, that was so weird. It that was would, strange, wasn't that it? That would not be something you say as you're dying. no. no. And it was only there to, for the payoff at the end when he turns up in the paper. But mm. he could have just could have said something like, I thought I would have had a better life than this or I thought people yeah. would have known my name or something. You know, I know, yeah. It was whatever the line it? could have been. It was just, you know, very obvious, which I didn't like. Yeah. It's annoying because the rest of the film was so good. And, you know, Mark Rylance was great. Mark Rylance was great, but I only saw Mark Rylance. And that's maybe because... Mm. We saw him in Bridge of Spies and he was incredible and he won the Oscar for it. Um, I think I'm going to struggle seeing him in a film and not thinking of that and that character. Mm-hmm. I I only saw Mark Rylance in this film. I didn't see the character he was playing. Should have cut his face up like Tom Hardy. Yeah. Does Tom Hardy have it in his contract of every film where he needs to wear a face covering? Honestly, Bane, this, for Mad a, Max. For a fair bit of Mad Max, his face <laughs> is covered up. It wasn't cut up in lock. Great film. Mm, was a great film, wasn't it? I think another thing I had an issue with was the lack of character development for a lot of the characters. Mm. Um, like Mark Rylance's character didn't change at all from the beginning. He went out to help and he helped. And um, maybe that's the point. I don't know. But I said to you, I think it could have been really interesting, which is counting my earlier point of not seeing the faces the enemy but if one of the planes that tom hardy had shot down if mark rylance went to rescue that boy because like mm. his kid was killed and he rescues this other kid who's just the son of another pe- you know another father out I, there i see your point i wonder if that wasn't historically accurate though perhaps no, that's why it, it probably wasn't, wasn't and yeah. it probably wouldn't have added but it was just an example of how they could have maybe played with that a little bit more mm. as it was it was just oh yeah he decided to do this because his son died and that's cool but like so what? It didn't really give me any other information about that character. Well, especially when it was just there at the end. Yeah. Like, oh, P.S., yeah. this is why he's doing it. Yeah. It was fine when he was doing it just because he was an ex-soldier or just because it was the right thing to do. Mm. So, I mean, you said he didn't have any character development. So you're saying that's a bad thing, right? It's not. For some of the his main His character was flat, you reckon? Yes. And the main boy's journey mm. was very flat. Because for me, it was... It was enough that he was out there doing it and it was the, the tension was whether he was going to go there in time or whether the right, whether okay. Tommy was going to get out. Yeah, I didn't yeah. necessarily need them to have a character for that gets overcome and they have to grow as a person. Yeah, that's I think a valid point. I don't, maybe they didn't. Films work when that happens but not necessarily for this one. Yeah. Perhaps it would have been contrived if, you know, Mark Rylance hates his other son and then throughout the film he becomes friends again with him. Like that would have been yeah. weird. 
perhaps. I'm not saying that's necessarily the case, but, you know. No, I tend possibly. to agree with you. Maybe this film wasn't trying to do that, and that's totally fine. Um, Just something I noticed, not you here, but mm. other people, it's like, oh, it hasn't, hasn't done Chapter 7 of the screenwriting book. It must be a bad <laughs> film. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to hit all those things. You know? No, it doesn't. No, and I don't think it was trying to with a lot of those things. Yeah, it's trying to be its own thing. Um, I was disappointed that Killian didn't, Killian Murphy, who's one of my favourite actors, didn't get more of a role to play. Um, I understand he was PTSD and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he's, he did a lot with what he had, though. He did, so. because he's incredible. You know, he, he'd yeah. make a paper bag look good. Um, but he... Is he wearing a paper bag? Yeah, sorry, I just realised what that saying is about. <laughs> he's acting as a paper bag. <laughs> yeah, he was acting as a paper bag. He'd do well. Um... It's probably just because I like him that I want him more from, more from that character and more from that interaction, um, especially at the end when he just walks away after seeing the stretcher of the boy he killed and then that's it, you know. But in saying that, that's probably very realistic of what would have happened. Um, yeah, like other option, you like go to the morgue with him or like yeah, what's, you know. and I don't want that other option, yeah, so yeah. it probably is the right choice. It's probably just me. How stressed were you at the end when Tom Hardy, like, just floating for an hour, right, with no fuel left, just chilling, propellers down, just having yeah. a little glide, shooting other planes down while he's got nothing left. Mm. And he chooses the last minute to put his wheels down, just the last last two seconds. Well, they, they can't put him down too early, can they? Isn't that bad for the plane? Oh, I'm not a... You're an aviation Okay, I thought you were an aviation expert, so <laughs> sorry. I thought that that's why they don't have them out all the time. They just do well, it just before they land, but yeah. Could have started a bit sooner. You could have, <laughs> I thought there is that I was really rooting for him to get down on the on the ground, right? Mm. Just because just for then he had saved everybody. Mm. I'm like, wow, I've got emotion. This guy is a savior. He needs to survive. Before mm. then, all the characters, I was like, like I understand you want to get out of here, but everyone does. Like, why are you guys so important? Yeah, I wasn't totally on board with any of the characters. So you know, maybe they should have had more character growth in that sense. But after Tom Hardy done the great thing. Save yes, like, you well, were on board with him, right? I love you. Let's, let's get you safe. Yeah. So. I was more rooting for his character than any of the others in the film. The boys I didn't really care about. I'm like, well, I know nothing about you. I don't really care mm. why, why we Yeah, so from you. my perspective, it's good because, mm. like, we all we need to know is that these guys need to get out of here. But yeah. the empathy bit wasn't Wasn't quite there. there. Second question, why couldn't Tom Hardy just circle his plane a little bit and then land on their side of the beach? I'm not sure why he did that thing. Was it just on Oi? Probably. Yeah. Maybe it was too dangerous to land. Maybe he couldn't land on that bit of the beach. because it seems wasn't. very convenient. Maybe you want to draw attention away to give them more time to... Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's my thought, maybe. Okay. I'm not sure why I had to land there. You should ask him next time you're talking to him. I will. Be like, hey, when you were fighting in World War Two, Can you do a Bane impersonation on you, answer? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the line that Bane says? <laughs> um. Ah, I am Bane. <laughs> Can he do his Mad Max voice? He doesn't say anything as Mad Max. Hmm. He does he a little monologue at the start? Just be grunting. He says, Ugh. It's just his voice. It's just Tom Hardy's voice. It's nothing interesting. When he says, my name's Max. A bit. Okay. It is. Don't give me that. It is a good bit. I don't know what bit you're talking about. Throughout the film, he doesn't say what his name is, and then when Furiosa is dying and he gives his blood and he's like, my name is Max. He doesn't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Wistfully. <laughs> like, Max. My name is Max. 
finally told her a name, his name. This is not a real Fury Road. It's a good film, though. It is a good film. I didn't like the little flash at the end. They had the big montage bit. <laughs> Explain yourself. I will. They had the big montage bit. I'm not the... that sort of flash, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that would have been better. Who knows? They had the big montage bit with the kid reading the newspaper article, right? And then they had the plane that Tom Hardy had that went on fire and then the soldiers capturing him who were out of focus, interestingly. I assume he was burning it so the enemy wouldn't, like, steal it for parts and stuff, you reckon? Is that what he was doing? Oh, yeah, so that they couldn't use it to, like, put more fuel in and off they go killing everyone. They go behind enemy lines. Pretending they're English. Hey, we've created a sequel. Anyway, yes, there's on. like a flash at the end where it's literally for a second and it goes back to the kids on the train reading the newspaper. And it's it's literally a second. And it made me think that it was like a mistake in editing. Mm. It's what it looked like because I don't understand why they did that. Weird. Can you shed some light on that, Lawrence? I think it already ended. don't know why they did it. Good. Man of many words. No, I don't. I'm... <laughs> I agree. I thought it already ended and then they did that again. So, weird. The soundtrack was incredible. Hans Zimmer, who is magnificent. Lots of videos online about um, the ticking of the clock, and I didn't realise. I, I recognised it a lot, but it doesn't actually end until the boys are on the train. Yeah, supposedly it ends in each each story. It right. ends, but then the big ending is when they go when the they're plane. finally yeah in England. Yeah, and um, doesn't you sent me another video about the soundtrack and Christopher Nolan spoken about it about how it's particular device where it feels like it's never ending and constantly growing yeah it's really cool um shepherd's tone i think they called it yeah and it was really really cool and fit with the film and it's yeah added to the experience i guess Hmm. um i think in that sense dunkirk is i think it's i think it would be better as a companion piece to other war films okay rather than as a war film itself Hmm. because Partly I don't think you could understand what was going on unless you hadn't had some basic knowledge of that time. But also I feel like it gives a different perspective on a war film that it's not your mainstream war film, front lines, mm. in bunkers, that kind of thing. It's more after all that. I think it is then a companion to other films, isn't it? It's like a... Yeah, no, I'm just saying opposite. like it could... Yeah, it yeah. could be cool. It could be cool oh, right, as, a, okay. as a like a double billing of this and something else. Mm-hmm. Same private rhyme and I go back to France. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Let's do that. But that's why, like, in a way, this film was sort of like a, it was about everything else apart from the war. It was all the bits on the peripheral about war and all the bits that you didn't normally see and almost like the um, scenes that landed on the cutting room floor of other war films were all put together and put into this film. For me, it just seems like this film is like around the topic, whereas other war films are in the topic of war and the fighting. And in that sense, I don't really see Dunkirk as a quote-unquote war film. I see it more as a companion piece to other things because it focuses so much on the Mm. stuff that's going around the periphery. Well, that's the thing about Dunkirk. It wasn't a battle. It was an evacuation. Yeah, exactly. So it's totally opposite of other wars that... And it suits this film, films, right? Yeah. Because the subject matter they're talking about, it wasn't that mm-hmm. either. Yeah, I think it's cool that it was about all the other bits. You don't normally see the evacuation in such depth and such detail. No, it was interesting. It was a different perspective. We had 
well, I didn't know anything well, about until this. Tom Hardy bit's pretty similar to yes. those sort of films, though. But yeah, yeah, I agree. What would you give it out of five? Here's the thing about Christopher Nolan films. Mm-hmm. They're going to be good. They're going to be of a certain quality. Everyone knows that. Yeah. And so when it comes to reviewing them and talking about them, I think people get a bit confused because they're like, well, it's good. Obviously it's good, but what do we talk about now? Yeah. And that's how we get into fights about, is he actually good? Yeah. Is, is he overrated? Is he underrated? Is he so overrated that he's actually underrated now? <laughs> right? See, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I liked it. I think it was like a, like a three and a half for me. Didn't love it as much as other films I've seen, but mm. obviously it was great and it was a very good, good quality. Mm. But he's become too popular and he's almost too good in the past. He's had too many big hits that people get, get upset when he's still good. He's still making good films. Kind of like a crisis for critics, isn't it? Do you think it's, there's a sense that they compare any new film he's come out with with, it, with his previous films? Oh, 100%, definitely. Yeah. And he's critic-proof as well. He's one of the yeah. only filmmakers out there who's making big budget, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars film, films, blockbusters, but they're actually... Critics of, still like them. No, no, they're different quality. That's what I mean. He's making films that aren't just Transformers mm. basic action movies. Mm-hmm. He's making big budget, big budget proper films, yeah. quote-unquote films, yeah. cinema. Yes. And so I think critics get a bit annoyed, like, why is this guy so popular, you know? Mm. Also, he's just come from, he's come from Britain. Yeah, he didn't do the he didn't do the you know work his way up to the top in America and yeah. pay his dues. Yeah, so I think people get a bit suspicious of him as well, especially critics. Are like, oh, this guy made that Batman film and now he's going to make a film. I know it's ridiculous, war, isn't it? Yeah, you know, so they don't really pay him as much credit. But then some people give him too much credit for hmm. the other way around. Well, because... the truth always lies somewhere in the middle, doesn't it? That's right. Yeah. What are you going to give him? I think probably a three. Um, I enjoyed it, but it's not my favourite and I had problems with it. But I do really love Christopher Nolan as a director. So in that yeah. sense, I am comparing it to his previous work and saying it's pretty good. Yeah. You know? It's his creek proof because we're always going to go see anything he makes for the rest of we will. time. You can't make Memento, The Dark Knight and Inception and not expect me to want to see every film you ever make yeah, exactly. forever. So it's it's almost... Why are we bothering talking about him? But because he makes such interesting films, you have to talk about them. Yeah, so. that's it. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Dunkirk. Hmm. I wouldn't have done it. Gone to war, I mean. Are you making a pun on the name Dunkirk? You wouldn't have done it? No, no, but I guess I was anyway. Wasn't yeah. I? Well, thank you very much for listening. This has been our review of Dunkirk. Give some thoughts, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at IOnlyLikeYouPod. What do you think about Christopher Nolan? If you are Christopher Nolan, what do you think about us? He has no clue who we are. <laughs> Says you. Perhaps he's our most what, number one fan. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Thank you very much. See you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Christopher Nolan. This is a secret recording for Christopher Nolan. We love you. (laughs) 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.